0: Is getting this microphone fixed. There we go. Um, why does worship go so fast when you're preaching? It's like it was supposed to be more than thirty seconds long, Gary. But um, today, I uh, we're uh, as we do the read through the Bible, it's kind of interesting because normally that's not how we really prepare sermons. We have we actually feel, you know uh, we have a, a message that we feel we're supposed to give, but it's not really. It's Scripture-based, but it's not a specific Scripture. We have the—we the—or This is how I do it, is I have the idea, and then I support it with Scripture. And so this is a little bit different, but I do want to say one thing as we go through the Old Testament, um, we realize that God does things similar to the way He did things in the Old Testament, but not the same sometimes. And just for as an illustration, I'm going to share that uh, if we go back, it's actually from our reading from the week before, but uh, Moses at the burning bush uh, when, Moses, when God asked him to go and speak to Pharaoh about uh, releasing uh, his, uh, the Israelites, um, Moses came up with a bunch of arguments why he shouldn't, and finally he just said, Oh Lord, I am not eloquent. I'm paraphrasing. I'm not eloquent, and I'm slow of speech, and I'm slow of tongue. And so when Kyle asked me to preach this Sunday, I said, I said Oh Kyle! I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue, but it didn't work the same way. So I'm up here. Uh, Moses got Moses got Aaron, or uh, God chose Aaron then to 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 actually speak, and I was like, "Can't Jeff speak?" I mean, he's my brother too. So, um, anyways, um, as we go through uh, I'm, what I'm going to talk on, as you can see, is on uh, the Passover was in our mes- was in our message, and so I want to kind of follow that thought out. But before I do, there was a couple things. Um as as I read and I, and I hope as you read too as we go through the Bible when we read it brings things to us about our lives and about uh, our situations and it, and if you read it today and a year from now when you read the same passage sometimes it brings out different things and so just quickly this is really not part of it's it's not part of my message but I just wanted to share I uh um talking about Pharaoh and the plagues and just what that what that was all about and uh um with the plagues, I, I thought about this week. I thought about Pharaoh. God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he went. You know, not just Pharaoh, but all of all of Egypt went through these plagues. And uh, and I thought, what were the people thinking? You know, I mean, they they weren't making the choice. They weren't making the choice to actually go through this plague. And, and actually, it kind of hit me. And, and it's, it's 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 actually very um uh. I don't mean it to be a downer this morning, alright? We have a message of hope in this service sermon today, but I, um, I, I'm reminded of a movie about Moses, about when he was a baby and Pharaoh was destroying all the babies, and I just, in my, in my mind, I don't know how old I was, I don't know if I was a kid or if I was a teenager or whatever, but I saw this movie, and there was a picture of when he told all of the Hebrew boys were to be thrown into the Nile, there was this picture of a, a big net with babies in it, and I mean, it wasn't as graphic as maybe I'm sounding, but the idea was there, this is what happened, Right? And you thought, how can how can a people be so evil as to do that? And um, I'm just reminded this morning and this week that um, that that uh, that we're in a nation that that doesn't <clears throat> necessarily value the life of a baby as well. And this week, some of the legislation that's gone through over the last few weeks, some of the we, we live in a nation that we can't even we can't even approve a resolution that says that. A baby's life, that we can't uh, uh, affirm the sanctity of a baby's life after it's born. And so I just, I don't mean to be a downer, and this isn't a political statement because um, I'm not talking about the current leaders, I'm not talking about past leaders, but I'm talking about all of them, actually. Um, that when leaders of a nation make decisions that are evil, that are against God's will, that the people suffer. And so just um, in the case of Egypt, um, even, the, even the Israelites suffered some of those plagues. It wasn't until the fourth plague that, that God really spared them from that. And so I don't mean that to be a downer, but those are just things I'm thinking of as I'm reading through the Scripture. Um, and so uh, I, th- I think we just need to be prepared as believers that, that, um, that we um, I don't believe we can be in a nation forever that, that acts against God and have no ramifications for our lives even. So, um, but there's still hope. There's hope that God and and as I go through this message I hope that becomes apparent that there's hope and that God can save us from all that. Um, the other thing that I thought about was uh, was Pharaoh and his hard heartedness. He he would there'd be a plague and then God would relieve or you know God would relieve the consequences of that plague and then Pharaoh would change his mind. And you know, and we sit there and we say, Wow, how can he be like that? And and I just had to think because I think it's good to, to look through these things and internalize these. How many times have I been in trouble or things have been hard? And so I say, God, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to live this way. And then the pressure comes off and then I go back to some of the things I do. So just, that's just a, those are really side notes, just things as I, as I go through um, Scripture. And I hope you do too, that you think about things and, and uh, that God would use the Scripture as we read through it to, um, to, uh, to uh, bring things to mind about, about how we should live. Now, I've never had much success at this, so at this thing here. So um, so if you would like to, there we go. If you turn to Exodus, I'm gonna. we're talking about the Passover this morning. And uh, I'm going to read through this uh, and uh, just quickly. And hopefully this will be the second time this week you've heard it at least. But um, I'm just going to read this part. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel, That on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are determined the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you must take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight." Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roasted over the fire. Head, legs, and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some, of it left, if some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And uh, I um, just minute. Uh, So God gave this uh, this Passover observance. He actually gave this to them before He actually brought them out of Egypt. Okay, he he he, So He was pretty sure of what was going to happen, and He gave this. It's this Passover observance. It's kind of important because it's really kind of the first. There was there was we have a history of individual sacrifices that people threw out um, from Abraham up through to Moses where people would make sacrifices and that sort of thing. But this is the first, uh, like a festival or a uh, thing to, of remembrance that he wanted him to do. Um, and so the Passover, there's four major parts of it, all right? Choose a lamb without defect, uh, flawless, don't break its bones, and, uh, and slaughter it. And, uh, and so as... Uh, so you 're supposed to choose a lamb, and what I take out of that is he didn't want their second best or their third best or their calls he wanted their best they were to offer their best lamb to him, uh, then put the blood on top of the door and on the sides and this is really uh, an outward sign that they were being obedient to him all right if they would have slaughtered the lamb and not put blood on the sides of the uh, on the sides of the doorpost when the uh, uh, when uh, the death came to all the houses, they wouldn't have been covered. So there had to be this outward sign of blood on their post, on the on the door post. Then he said, "Roast the meat, and eat it with bitter herbs and unleavened bread." Um, the 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 meat with bitter herbs really uh, talks about uh, in my reading the idea that to rem- it's a, it's an idea of remembering that uh, slavery the bitter time of slavery. Okay, it was a time to it wasn't a time to have the most Succulent meal. It was a time to have a meal that really reminded them of what God had done for them, um, and uh, and the unleavened bread. Um, I'm going to get to that a little bit later, but really that started with the fact that when God, well, actually that brings in uh, my next point of uh, eat with your traveling clothes on. And God said, when I get ready to move, be ready to go. Um, and so what that meant was the bread couldn't have yeast in it because uh, it wouldn't have had time to rise by by the time they left on their journey. Um, and so we have these kind of these four points: the the choosing the, the faultless lamb, put the blood the outward sign of the blood on the doorpost, the um, the bitterness of slavery, and the being prepared to leave, um, ready to go. They were they were in, your, in their traveling clothes, be ready to go when I call. Them. So, I mean that's all neat, but we we really don't celebrate the Passover as such. We we aren't uh, we aren't uh, we don't we're not Jewish. Most of us, anyways, I don't think are Jewish, and so. Um, why would, we, why would we care about that? Um, and so I just want to say, uh, God, God, in 1214, I already read this, but He said, uh, this is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. And uh, the word commemorate, it means uh, commemorate is to create a more memorial or a reminder. So God wanted His people to remember something. Um, he wanted the Israelites to remember some things. And so by doing it this way, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the things I believe that God wanted them to remember. Um, Number one, God wanted them to remember uh, about protection that he was, he was their protector that when they were in slavery, they were, he brought them out of it and he, and he saved them from the curse of the plagues. He saved them from the, from death in each family of the firstborn. Um, and so he uh, he protected those who had applied the blood to the doorpost, and no death came to those those uh, those households. Um, the second thing is purity, and this part of it is really the eating only unleavened bread. Um, in the scriptures, bread uh, yeast off we talked about it in our home group actually. Yeast often all the all times except for one. Peter told me I'm, that, uh, all the times except for one yeast is Yeast is talked about as a bad thing, about how it's like sin that works. It's about like sin, it's like pride that works through you. Just a little bit will work through your life and change your life. Um, and so God uses that unleavened bread to, uh, just to remind the, the Israelites of uh, removing sin from their, their households. They actually, part of the festival currently even, is that they, I don't know if there's a name for it, but they actually sweep their entire house, go into all the corners and sweep out the corners, and make sure that there is absolutely no chance of being a, bread, a piece of bread that has yeast. Yeast in itself is not sinful. So they cook with yeast normally, but for this, for this festival, for this celebration, for this uh, memorial, they cle- sweep their houses clean and make sure that that, that, that is out. And that signifies um, the sin. Um, the next thing that I believe God would remind them is power. And... Uh, uh, God delivered uh, the children of Israel from the plagues that were upon the Egyptians, and He created the plagues. What a what a demonstration of power! Um, if you think about all the all the different ones, I didn't list them down, so I'm not going to try to recite them. But they were they were really kind of nasty. I mean, they were just nasty. There was gnats and frogs and flies and locusts, and it was just uh, uh, all the water turning to blood. Um, if we saw demonstrations of that, we would say, wow, look at that. Um, and God, uh, his power was very evident to the Israelites. Um, he, also, he also demonstrated to them that by, by bringing these plagues on and by sparing them the plagues, or some of the plagues, that he was fighting on their behalf. Um, and an important part about this is that he used the battles to show them his power, but also to show the Egyptians his power. You'll remember from the reading that that the that the a lot of times the the court advisors and even the people wanted to be on the good side of the Israelites because they knew that their God had power, and so God used those battles, used the used his, the showing of his power to um, to just impress who he was to to the to the Israelites and the and the Egyptians. The fourth one, which actually starts coming into the. Where I would, well, this is all stuff that he was reminding them of their time in Egypt. And yes, it's good for us to look at history and remember that. But, but how does it pertain a little bit to us? And the other, the other one that he that he did through this was prophecy. Okay, um, God was pointing forward to another event, and um, and so he was when he when he set up this festival of Passover. I believe he was he was really kind of speaking to the people about his plan for salvation for them in the future. And so it was kind of a foreshadowing. This is one of those I think ty- uh, Kyle talked about it last week. The types. This is kind of a type. Uh, this the, past, the concept of Passover. Um, there was a foreshadowing. It was a foretelling of what was to come. Um, so we have the Lamb, and of course we know the Lamb to be Jesus Christ, faultless without blemish. Jesus was without sin. Um, he uh, uh, even John the uh, John the Baptist uh, in John one twenty nine says. Behold the Lamb of God. Um, in the same way that the Israelites applied the blood on the doorsteps and escaped judgment, we have the ability, because of, of Jesus' death and resurrection, to symbolically apply the blood of Jesus Christ on our hearts. And that saves us from the day of judgment. And, um, and so uh, that's the, the correlation of, of that. Um, so that's the lamb putting it on the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the doorpost. We put the blood on the doorpost of our heart, so to speak. Um, and then the Passover event was followed by the Israelites' escape from, from uh, slavery. So God came in power, delivered them from, from uh, their oppression. Uh, Jesus' death is the ultimate Passover event. It allows us to escape our slavery from sin. Uh, Jesus explained it like this. Uh, John eight thirty one through 34. And he was, he was explaining this to Jews. So he said, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and then you will be set free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And so these Jews were saying, well, we're, we're Jewish. We haven't been in slavery. You know, in their lives, they had not been in slavery, and so how can Jesus say that they're going to be set free? Because they were still looking for that idea of God delivered the uh, the Israelites from Egypt because they were in slavery, and so how how can Jesus say that He's setting them free? And, he, and Jesus is saying, No, you don't understand. We are sin. We are slaves to sin, and through me you can be set free from that. And so that's our message today: is that we can that we, in the same way that God came and saved the Israelites um, from the Egyptians, uh, from the slavery of Egypt, He saves us from the slavery of sin. Uh, and if we're not saved by the sla- from the slavery of sin, uh, in Romans 6.23 Paul writes, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, and so we have that, we have that hope, but this, this Passover is still pointing towards the fact that uh, Jesus came and, and died and, and, and then rose from the dead, and, and we can experience uh, we can experience freedom from slavery of sin. Um, the Israelites, as I said, they expected god 's power to manifest in the same way as it did during the exodus. They thought the, this Messiah that had been talked about that that God was speaking about in in the Passover message that 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 that, that was going to come with uh, it was going to come in the same way. There was going to be a man that was going to lead them and, um, and take them out of the... They, still, they weren't slaves, but they were still oppressed by the Romans. And so, um, so they didn't see that Jesus was, uh, was the Messiah. Even John the Baptist uh, questioned, when, if you'll remember when he was in prison, he sent his disciples to say, are you, you know, as Jesus was doing, are you, re- are you truly the Messiah? And so I wonder if he, if he was like, this isn't really what we were expecting, even though he proclaimed him. As he came, um, I don't know if it all manifested in the same way that, that he was looking that that. But um, but so Jesus comes as the Passover Lamb, and His blood is shed that we can that we can be saved. Um, and so uh, this actually goes. It's it's just it's just how God works. But this whole we're talking about the Passover and how it represents Jesus coming and Jesus' own death. The whole process of last supper was during Passover um, but then Jesus when he, uh, when he was sitting with his disciples and he broke bread with them and drank wine and said uh, e- eat this as my body and drink this as my blood uh, he was actually uh, that the communion service is really, it's kind of our Christian way of saying it's similar to the Passover for the Jews how Jesus saved us out of it so there's this correlation between Passover and obviously communion Um, But it's just God in his timing of everything kind of puts that all together for us. Um, So the question is then, this was still all geared towards uh, this Passover idea was geared towards uh, Israel. So what does God want us to remember? By the way, I'm going through this pretty quick, so we may. (laughs) Um, I'm going to start going through some slides and uh, there's actually, I've got quite a bit of scripture um, and so they're going to be up there. They're not going to be up there for very long. So if you are taking notes, you may want to just write down the, um, the uh, uh, chapter and verse and look at it later. But, um, so what does God want us to remember? Let's go through the same list. Protection. When we accept Jesus and, and symbolically apply His sacrificial blood to our hearts, we gain His protection from eternal death. The judgment that com- that's going to come on the earth just like the judgment came to Egypt, uh, it's not going to affect us. Uh, We're going to be protected from that judgment. When we call on Jesus as our Savior, we're under His protection and nothing can take that from us. Um, So when Jesus was addressing the Pharisees, He described His followers as sheep and said um, in John 10, 27-30, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one, this is the part, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So Jesus uh, so Jesus promised that, that we're His sheep. When we call on His name as our Lord and Savior, we're His sheep and no one can snatch them out of our hand. So there's that sense of protection that we get from God as we walk out our life. Um, and so I, I, I also want to talk about protect, God's protection here on earth because not always do we feel protected. Um, I'd, like prote- I'd like God's protection to be kind of like, I read somebody had said like a magic bubble, right? As this God, God, I believe in you. Oh, there's this magic bubble and nothing can touch me. And it, it doesn't work that way. We live in a fallen world. We live, uh, we live with our own, with our own fallen state. We live with the fall in the fallen with the falling state of people around us, and so bad things happen, and they happen to believers, and bad things happen to good people, sometimes, and so um, we'd like that protection to mean nothing bad will ever happen, but uh, number one is that we don't always know God's plan, okay, and number two is also is that we we also don't know. Sometimes the hard things are the things that change us for the better, and God'll use those um, god'll use those things for to to change us so even though even though he's protecting us he's protecting us we do get i believe some protections physically but but that doesn't always uh that doesn't always happen and um but he does protect us that if we that, he, that nothing can take us away from him all right if we choose, if we if we just choose to follow him nothing will Nothing will take him from us, and we, when we have that promise of eternal salvation, um, even uh, Paul, when he was writing to the church in Corinth and uh, gave testimony to the struggles he endured, he said he was explaining uh, what was happening to, to him. We were hard pressed on every side, but not crushed; perplexed, but not in despair; persecuted, but not abandoned; struck down, but not destroyed. Um, so, so Paul had all this stuff happening to him too. <laughs> Um, And then in Romans, he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, this idea of protection, um, God protects us on the day of judgment. He'll protect us from judgment. But He also offers us some protection on this earth in that Our hope is not in our physical well-being. Our hope is not in our financial well-being. Our hope is not in things on this earth, but our hope is in eternal salvation with Him. Um, The next one, purity. How, How would God speak to us about purity today? Well, first of all, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross allows us to have the stain of sin removed from our souls. In the same way that um, that, that the children of Israel were taken out of Egypt, out of slavery. God allows us out of sla- the slavery of sin, as I've shared before. Um, but He also has an expectation that we would strive to remain pure. And so I've just got a few few verses about this. What, is that, what does that look like? What is, so what is, what is staying pure? Uh, Galatians 5.19-21. through 21 says the acts of of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immortality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sorry, I I looked up and then I lost my place. (laughs) I warn you, those of us will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the end of it. and so there's an explanation. Those are some things. And in the middle of that, if, if we're all being honest, I'm sure we can find some things that we've been guilty of in that. Um, uh, and so God would have us try to remain pure and to stay away from those things. And if you read through that and you don't find anything, then I've got another passage for you. Uh, this is James, and James is interesting, brother of Jesus, uh, as Peter explained today. James, when you read through James, it'll be interesting when we get to James because James doesn't mess around. James is very direct. He, uh, he doesn't really sugarcoat anything. Um, and so whenever I quote from James, I get a little chuckle because it's just it's right in your face. But James says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. So that sets maybe even a little higher standard. That's a sin of omission there. The other ones are things that we commit. This is a sin of not doing the things that we know we should um, or knowing what we should do and not doing them, and so that's another aspect of purity. Okay, it's not just doing; it's not just not doing the bad stuff. It's it's also doing the good stuff. There we go. Um, staying pure. Uh, in our reading this week, uh, when Jesus addressed the Pharisees, he said uh, that they clean the out. He said to them, he said, "You clean the outside of the cup, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness." So it's not even really what we're doing on the outside; it's what's on the inside, right? So if if we just, if we, um, if we can keep from doing all these bad things that are listed above, that are are listed in Galatians, um, but we don't have the right heart condition, if we haven't, if we still are are, uh, lusting in our mind, if we're still hating people in our mind but not acting out on it, um, we don't want to be like the Pharisees. We don't want to be just clean on the outside, putting up show. Coming to church, uh, doing all the right things, we want to uh, we want to have our hearts, our inner man, uh, clean and pure. So, how do we keep ourselves pure? It's it's hard to do. It's hard for me to do. Maybe it's easy for everybody else. It's hard for me to do. Okay, um, Romans seven twenty four through twenty five. Uh, Paul. This is, now this is Paul when, as he's going through and he's saying. He, I didn't list out the whole passage, but he, he says, I don't do what I, I'm really paraphrasing this, but I don't do what I want to do, and I do the things I don't want to do. That's the shortened paraphrased version. And so he finishes that with saying, "Whoops, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? I used this the last time I preached, so I don't know if that says something about me, this verse. But, but, that's, but, God's, <laughs> but Paul said, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so it's only through Jesus Christ. Even Paul recognized that. It, was all through, it wasn't all of, the, all of the journeys that he went, all of the preaching of God's Word, um, all of the miracles, everything that Paul was involved with. It wasn't any of that that could, that could save him from his own sinful self. It is through God who, delivers him, who delivered him through Jesus Christ His Lord. So that's the purity. What's the next thing? Power. How would God speak to us about power? Because we don't see, the, we don't see things like God acting with plagues with, that are evident, as evident as they seem to be evident in, the, in, the, in Exodus. Um, so there's just a few scriptures about power I want to go over. When Jesus sent out the 72, um, he told them this. He said, and this was in our reading this week as well, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And I think he gave us a real key there that, the, that he was telling his disciples, don't get carried away with all these outward signs of his power. The real power is in the fact that they have a place in heaven. Um, and so, uh, we talked about that God was fighting, fighting uh, the battles of the Israelites, and that He used that to show even the Egyptians His power. So God fights our battles, and He uses our battles to show others who He is. So, what do those battles? What do those battles look like? What do we? How do how do people know about our battles? And I just have in here that the testimony of our salvation. Or, I'm sorry, our testimonies are our battles. Okay, In this case, we have the, the story of the plagues that showed God's power. But the real power, the real power of God today is in the testimony of our salvation. It's when we can stand in front of some, not necessarily stand in front of people, but one-on-one share with people where we were, what we, what the things in our life that had, had brought us down, the sin that we were in, the... Um, just the state of our lives before we met Jesus. And then we can share how, that, how Jesus took those all away and He cleansed us and how we can have uh, eternal salvation even though we're sinful. Um, that's the uh, That actually, I believe that that, and I think Jesus was trying to say this, is that that testimony of salvation is actually a greater display of God's power than if He were to bring plagues on a nation again. The fact that He saved you, not that He saved us, that He saved you, is a bigger demonstration, a, a, a much more mighty demonstration of His power that He could do that than it is to, to do the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea and the pillar of clouds and a pillar of fire. It's a pillar of clouds. Peter, I always go to you for this. Pillar of clouds. You know, you've read it, right? I, you know what I'm talking about. That, that what He's done in our lives is a, is a greater display of His power than all that. Um, and and even in our daily lives, he will, he his power uh, is there for us. Uh, he he wrote uh, in Luke twelve eleven through twelve. Uh, Jesus said he told he told his disciples when you're brought before the when you're brought before the synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit. Will teach you at the time what you should say. That's power. That's power to know that the that if you if you don't need to worry, God will give you the words when you go to speak to someone, when you need to when you need to do things, when you pray to Him and ask Him for His wisdom, that He will He'll provide you that. Um, and so that's a demonstration of His power. Uh, while His His uh, He He has power. Uh, the well, I just wrote this. While His power for miraculous signs. His power. While his power allows for miraculous signs on earth, the power we should take joy in is the redemptive power of his blood. And so, um, and so that's why I think it's important to remember through that Passover message about the power that God had for the Israelites and the power that he has in our lives. Now, 1130, this is my conclusion. It's, gonna be, it's a little longer than just a conclusion, so don't get too excited. Um, so this idea of prophecy, Right? So we had the other three Ps: the protection, the purity, and power that match up with the with the um, with the Passover. But the Passover was also about prophecy. It was pointing towards Christ. It was pointing towards the coming of Jesus. Um, and so, what does the what what would God say to us today? Because that's already happened. And I have here under prophecy there is still unfulfilled prophecy to be fulfilled. To be fulfilled. Jesus is going to return. He is uh, when he does, we're going to be taken up to heaven, and we'll be in the presence of God for eternity. So just as uh, just as God took the Israelites out of Egypt, He'll take us out of this world into into heaven, into heaven. Um, and so uh, there won't be any more need for that sacrificial blood. Uh, that will that will have ended. And so there's so there's more to come, uh, as far as purity, God. When we go to heaven, there will be no more sin. It will be, it'll be similar to the Garden of Eden, I think, in that there was no sin there, right? And so when we go to heaven, we won't have these struggles that we have today uh, with, with things because sin, sin will be abolished. There will be none. And when it comes to power, we're going to be in the presence of God Almighty. So His power will be more, more, uh, more in display than, than we can know. Uh, we just don't. We don't know what we don't have in our human minds. We don't have an understanding of what that's going to be like to be in the presence of God and His power. Um, and and actually, when that happens at the second coming of Christ, um, everyone's going to see it. It won't be just a demonstration of His power for His believers. Non-believers are going to see that power too, and and they're going to reap the benefits of not following Him or to, or the curse, actually. And so. Um, God uses the Passover uh, celebration to, rem- to remind people to remind us of things. He used it to, he set it up to remind the Israelites of what was going ha- to happen. You have to remember that there was there was roughly fifteen or sixteen hundred years between when that Passover happened and when Jesus came. And so, in that time, God was wanting to remind the people constantly of what He had done for them and that He was going to do it again. So, um, so I actually—that's actually my message this morning. We—we um, we, uh, I'm going to do an altar call this morning, and really, this is—you um, can—you can get prayer from somebody. Uh, I'll be up front. Jeff will come up front. And we have prayer partners on the sides, it's really geared towards this. And as we—as we as were, yes, you, sorry, you can come up, Gary. Um, worship team can come up as we. As we think about the Passover message, all right, Um, and I I would like—this is just kind of thing that I want to keep in my mind as 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 I read through this in the future as well. But this morning, okay, if you remember the four the four parts of the of the Passover were uh, the lamb, the the innocent lamb that that was that was sacrificed. Number two was the uh, the outward sign of the blood on the post. Number three was the, was the idea of unleavened bread, the, the, uh, the bitterness of slave, slavery. Um, and the fourth was about being ready to go. So my altar call, if you'd like prayer this morning, is number one, is that if you haven't accepted the Lamb of Jesus Christ into your life, it's open today to do it. Now is the time to do it. If you'd like more information, if you'd like to talk to someone about that, come up and we'll pray for you. We'll talk to you about that. Number two is, if you're struggling with the outward signs of your faith, God said it did no good to have that inside and not show it for the for the for the Jews. So if you if you're struggling this morning in your life of of really being open about your faith, if you're struggling with with having those outward signs of your faith in your life, come up for prayer and we'll pray about that. Um, number three, if you are if there's sin that you're struggling with, if there's something hard in your life that's happening, if you just need uh, someone to pray with you this morning about um, that you want to sweep away that, that yeast, that, that sin that's in your life, and you're struggling with that, come up this morning and get prayer. And then the last one, which is kind of an exciting one, but he told the people to tuck their cloaks into their... into. The, I mean, it seems odd to us, you know, tuck your cloaks in, but that was so that they could travel, that they, that they could move around freely. And so... If you feel like God's saying, either if you feel like God's saying, I want to go. I'm be ready, be ready because when I send you, I want you to be ready. If you'd like prayer about that, if you are struggling with, I don't know where God wants me. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what he where where he wants me to go. Come up and get prayer for that. But um, but I do know that regardless of your situation, whether God's given you a directive or not, He wants you ready to go, so that when He calls your name. When he says, it's time to move out, that you're ready. And so, um, I'll close in a prayer and then, and then the altar will be open for that. So, Father, we're thankful this morning, Lord. Thankful, Lord, for, first of all, for just the redemptive power of your blood. Lord, we're thankful that, um, that you were faithful to the Israelites. 30, 30, almost 4,000 years ago, Lord. That you, would, that you were faithful to them, that you, that you heard their cry that they were in slavery, that they needed uh, saving. And so, Father, we're thankful, Lord, that, that You took them out of that. Lord, we're thankful that You wanted that remembered, that You wanted to point forward to the coming of Your Son. Lord, we're thankful that You sent Your Son. We're thankful that that we can be free from the slavery of sin, that we can experience Your power, that, Lord, that You can walk us, that You can keep us pure, that You can walk us through this life, that You can be side-by-side side directing us and helping us to, to keep sin out of our life. Father, we're thankful for that. Lord, we're thankful for the promise that we have of eternal salvation, of one day being in your presence, being able to see you firsthand, of, of not dealing with the issues of sin, Lord. We're thankful that as believers in you, Lord, that you have offered us eternal life. So, Father, we're just, uh, just help us as we read through this Passover story again, Lord, just to be so aware of, Uh, that you cared for your people then, you care for them now, and you'll continue to care. And so we just ask this in your name, Lord. Amen.